0: Hi, I'm James and I'm Drew and welcome to Graphic Support Group, a mindful podcast for the design industry and
1: the self, where empathy and the creative cloud meet. Join us as we delve into the mind and soul of graphic design from PSDs to PTSD. This is Graphic Support.
2: Shaitan Rajji, Bismillah, Warahi, but I'll be Shahri Sadri was silly amari wahalo to milesani f coke. Lailahilla. Right, thanks. Yeah, man. That's kind of like my it's my daily ritual. Yes, yeah, you that's know. Great.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. I think that's kind of where I get a lot of my my inspiration from, and I think a lot of what I do is is kind of influenced by that, you know,
1: what is the prayer? Uh, is it like, a?
2: it's kind of, so it's like an Islamic prayer that just like, is kind of the, one of the pillars of the faith, you know, it's like in the name of God, the beneficent, the merciful. And, and so it kind of sets the intention of everything. You're supposed to always have intention and presence with everything you do. So you're not doing it for like egotistical purposes, you're doing it for like spiritual, selfless, altruistic purposes. So I'm always like, I always have to remind myself, especially when I'm talking about myself, that I'm not trying to flex or like present the best version of myself to kind of, you know what I mean? But almost just, yeah. just be honest and, and open. And, and I think that's kind of like a, a beautiful metaphor for a lot of my work you know, and like how I've evolved as a designer, to be honest, is like, I think you, you guys probably know as well, like when you're first starting out, you really want to like, I want to be different. I want to put myself out there. Right. So there's like this, this, uh, there's this like drive to kind of express yourself that I think comes from ego. It doesn't come from like an honest place. Right.
0: And I think also when you're young, it comes from a ton of insecurity hundred percent thing we talked like i talked about with our previous guest ray masaki and um that sort of like drive slash insecurity that pushes you when you're like in your 20s and especially we were talking in the context of being like designers in new york where it's like yeah you're trying to prove something to people and like try to like differentiate yourself and like show that you're hungry um Mm -hmm. so that is like, uh, is not very centered as you're saying.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thanks for sharing that prayer. Um, I think like for me as a Christian, I think the things that, uh, I benefit the most from spirituality is like, what helps me position myself, like mm-hmm. it makes me feel small, but also like, uh, grounded and like big at the same time, you know, in the presence of God, um, Mm -hmm. yeah i appreciate that sentiment and and that that ritual
2: yeah man happy to happy i got to share it and uh happy to have this platform and just like an opportunity to to speak my piece um yeah um but yeah so this is james
0: i'm drew yeah we're here with Ali Godil, um, who is behind the studio House of... Sorry, I'm, I think I'm going to butcher this, but House of Ghoul. Uh, we've yeah. been intrigued by his work and the, the, the whole House of Ghoul project. So we've invited him here today to join us from Portland and to talk about his work and feelings. Um, hi, Ali. Thanks for joining us. Uh, do you want to do like a quick intro for yourself? Because I feel like I might have missed a, a bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, Rahim. Uh, my name is Ali Gadil. I'm the founder and creative director of House of Goal. Um, House of Goal is a creative studio and artistic exploration. Um, I kind of initiate a lot of my own artistic projects and at the same time do a lot of commercial client work. And I've kind of noticed that those two things kind of influence each other, like when I'm allowed to express myself to its fullest potential. Then I'm also able to to apply that in a lot of my client work. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of our philosophy and kind of the the core of of our brand and of kind of what drives me as a, as an artist and as a creative is this like idea of unlocking beauty. It's the it's one of the taglines in our brand and and one of the things you you see from us on all platforms is like unlocking beauty is this convergence of ethics and aesthetics. So when what you believe in and what you stand for internally is externally reflected aesthetically in terms of how you communicate and how you how you show up in the world. So being really conscious about those two things and trying to do them in, in the most avant-garde kind of forward-thinking way is what really speaks to me. Yo, know, first off it's great me and you both, <laughs> James and Drew. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And thanks for like inviting me on the on the podcast. Like just the fact that you guys resonate with it and it speaks to you to some degree means a lot because because um, I put my soul out there in a lot of ways, you know, with my work.
0: We wanted to start off with something very tactile um, that I think definitely probably has a ton of meaning to you. Is this whole this this film you're working on? Uh, I think Americanistan. Mm hmm. Uh, like just introducing that project, what that means to you, what it's been like working on it, what, what it's kind of like unopened for you. I'm really curious about that.
2: Damn. Yeah. That's two years in the making. It's actually uh, it's a story about my parents coming to America for the first time. So it's actually a true story of, of my mom who comes comes from like an upper class Pakistani household and then forced to live in like lower class America. Um, and it kind of is like juxtaposing the American dream versus the American reality. So that's kind of what I uh, what I sought out to do. And it's kind of been a really beautiful labor of love to really express that story. Um, and kind of why I love doing, I consider myself an artist before a creative director, a designer, I wear those hats as well. But that's why like, I love that term and putting on those types of projects because that's when it feels like the most truest, purest version of my artistic expression.
0: It's an interesting plot line and it makes me think of the movie Minari. And Mm. so like for me that the storyline in Minari like touches close to home because like my parents are Korean, Korean immigrants and we, lived in Colorado, like, I didn't live in a rural area, so that that part of the specifics aren't, like, you know, um, close to me, and, but like, I guess the question I'm trying to get at with American is like, why do you think it's an important story for you to tell?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Let me ponder that for a sec. I think it's, for me, it's important to, like, kind of increase the aperture of what it means to be American you know when we think american or even if we see the american flag we think of like cowboys with boots on and maybe like a trump hat right right but just as important is this like idea of what it means to be american from the immigrant perspective and how there's so much hope and so much courage and so much sacrifice that goes into that you know what i mean like my parents came here with nothing. Just my dad came here for grad school, sacrificed everything he knew back home in Pakistan just to come here for a better life. Right. and And over there, like, I know there's this kind of perversion where people think that everyone hates America in that is brown or Muslim, right? but but in in these countries, they love America, man. They're more American than I am they know every singer they know every rapper they love american culture american fashion like to me i'm a little bit more traditional in those spaces you know so that's what i wanted to show how there's just so much love for american culture and there's so much pride in like coming to america but it's such a sacrifice and it's something that that is like a a deep deep um emotional weight to carry you know to like come here and sacrifice everything. So at the end of the short film, I put something that really spoke to me. And it said, in honor of all of our parents who had the courage to sacrifice the known for the unknown. In honor of all of our parents who had the courage to sacrifice the known for the unknown.
0: What's powerful and why the immigrant story should be continued to to be told is to also reflexively like point out that the, the important and special qualities of the American project, right? Like it still is a unique idea and ideal that like is still meaningful. And it is a country that operates very uniquely different, uniquely and differently than many other places. And I think people still find a lot of promise in that. And like, we should be reminded of that in order mm-hmm. to like, remind ourselves as second generation or even true who's not not as directly from an immigrant background but he has immigrant roots as well um, Right. that like this is our job to continue to keep that project alive
2: yeah and and we have to celebrate our cultures and we have to show them in their ultimate beauty and their ultimate expression and and show that that by being your truest self, you're contributing to this American project and you're pushing culture forward and increasing what's acceptable or what's considered the norm at the table. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that I'm very passionate about and that is deeply rooted in all my work because I was like, I don't want to create this like watered down kind of tailored and acceptable version of myself in terms of like what I think people want from me or my culture or my perspective, right? Like how do I package the yoga or the golden milk tea in an acceptable form for, for American consumption? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, if I do that, I'm kind of killing a little bit of myself and I'm not really doing the ultimate service. Rather, how do I take like the boldness and the, and the and the um and the richness of this culture, but apply it in the Western context, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, because that was something we were definitely curious
2: about. And I think the difference is being unapologetically yourself and not caring and and kind of having that courage to 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 not care how it, how it really resonates because it, it's something deep within you that, that motivates it or that makes it feel correct. I was gonna ask like if you could maybe elaborate on what
1: you consider to be like risk-taking or particularly uh, self-embodying within your work. Like what about your work speaks to that? cuz i know that there we we've noticed obviously a few like telltale things like uh that you've actually been explicit about like in terms of like being inspired by uh you know muslim uh sort of imagery and like that kind of side of things and then bringing it into this kind of like western uh like kind of what you just said but i'm curious what a where you feel that embodiment like really comes alive,
2: like how you would describe the work. Yeah, we went hella deep, hella quick. So, <laughs> but I think like what makes it uniquely me is it had like something within me recognizes like or accesses like a memory or something that, that relates to an experience I had. Um, so like growing up, in like a Indian Pakistani household and we go back to Pakistan a lot every couple summers. So I had, I had my grandparents there and um, we would travel a lot in the Middle East. I'd go to like Saudi Arabia or I've been to Morocco. So I, I've been in a lot of different um, cultural places that weren't the West that were typically Islamic countries and with a lot of Islamic history, right? And I was always just so fascinated by, like, the golden age of Islamic art, right, where everything was so vibrant, so colorful, so expressive, and there was this, like, overwhelming beauty in the work that created this sense of awe, and then you would would almost be mesmerized. It would almost be intoxicating.
0: I was in Turkey a couple of years ago, so I was able to experience a lot of a lot more Islamic art that I hadn't been exposed to. But there is a quality that, like you know, does mesmerize you and put you in a state of awe.
2: Exactly, and that's the intention of it. So there's an explicit spiritual philosophy and principle behind the design, right? There's mm-hmm. a consciousness behind the design. So when I experienced that and it kind of shaped me, not just from like a political or an identity perspective, but on like a human level, like growing up in kind of a strict, like a little bit of a hostile household and then being able to express myself through art. That was like my, my only outlet right besides sports. So like I played basketball and soccer, but art was like the only way I could really express myself. And so Seeing how richly incorporated art was in my culture and in my in our history collectively, I was like, "Damn, this is so dope, and this is like so powerful." Yeah. Like, how come this isn't? How come I have to go to the Middle East to some obscure mosque to experience this? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this kind of whack and it's kind of messed up because everywhere in the Western world is this Bauhaus, minimalist, functional philosophy, dominant, right. right? And it's in your face. And it's like, this is what good is. I have to be like some Swedish art director with a black turtleneck who only loves black and white. And then I'm considered like respected in the art world, you know, and my I'm, I'm considered a tastemaker or something because I only use Helvetica. And so that really bothered me because I was like, I growing up, that's what was portrayed and kind of um, magnified or glamorized as like tastemakers or what, what's considered good art and good design. And I think a lot of people just don't know because they weren't exposed to alternatives. They've never like experienced like wabi-sabi Japanese design philosophy or like Islamic art and Islamic manuscripts. Or like, if you've seen like those intricate manuscripts, or tile work, or mosaics in mosques. So, I think it's very Eurocentric in terms of like how we look at design. So, to bring it back for me, it was almost like, it was almost like a responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And one of my teachers, he says, "It's our responsibility to turn the forest of the world into a garden." it's our responsibility to turn the forest of the world into a garden. So when I experienced this, I was like, oh, this is like, maybe this is what I was meant to do because I was uniquely positioned in both of these worlds. And so it almost felt like there were no voices for brown Muslim designers or anybody from a non-Western background to to really express themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is super interesting to hear you talk more Uh, explicitly about that because just coming to the work myself, actually I had a friend of mine who's from Iran who tipped me off to it. And I was like, this is really cool. And just like purely aesthetically, I'm interested in it. Um, I'm Jewish. My wife's Turkish. So I do have some uh, connections to the Islamic world, but, um, and I've been to Turkey a few times, but like nothing, (laughs) nothing super noteworthy in terms of my Mm -hmm. own connections but you know just aesthetically I I read it as sort of partially that but I also read it as this sort of like deconstruction of what design means and and needs to be like even to the point where it also because what what you're referencing is like a lot of intricacy a lot of like pure sort of like nose down like you want to awe, awe, inspire awe in your audience. But I think also what comes in your work is sort of a rebellious or subversive mm-hmm. tone, which is like more like, I don't even need to like work half as hard on this poster <laughs> as you think I do because like it's cool <laughs> as it is. Like
2: not that right. it's not
1: like, not that like work, hard work isn't put into it, but there is sort of like a punk or like a sort of uh, unrefined uh, sensibility to it as well, yeah. So I'm curious yeah. about what, where that comes from. If that's in, how how you intend that to sort of intersect with all yeah, hundred
2: percent. I think you're right, and it's it's good to to get honest feedback from from people in terms of how they view it. But that's kind of where my most more postmodernist side comes in, right? Because like it's still 2021 you know, um, it's still, I still live in America. I still kind of grew up here. I still skateboard and play soccer and play basketball. Do you know what I mean? I still have, uh, Western music that I love and, and Western art that I love and, and street art that I love and music that I love that's Western. So it's not necessarily like, I'm just copying and pasting what I find from like Eastern sources and the beauty, the grandeur. And I think that a part of that's in me, but it's almost like, how do, how does that apply in terms of a Western context that is 2021 West coast growing up with Tupac and Snoop Dogg. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that look like? Cause that's the, that's the real honest version of myself, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's where it's, I think it's, difficult sometimes when people want to not judge it but like label it like oh is this like a muslim designer or is this like a a west coast american designer a european designer it's almost like challenging the idea that these two things don't need to be mutually exclusive do you know what i mean like you don't need to be a spiritual dude or a, a religious dude and then um change who you are to be modern or appropriate in 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 today's society do you know what I'm saying so there's a universality to it where it's like okay these are universal principles and and traditions from the past that are equally applicable today and help me navigate like this this western context or western society that I find myself in
1: Mm -hmm. I mean it's actually (laughs) not to like use words that might be problematic but like it's interesting when you think about cultural appropriation as like a reverse kind of flip the script where it's like you're taking like islamic muslim like things that are your own personal identity and then Mm -hmm. blending those with like dutch or like german or like these sorts of like high-minded like whatever elevated design that people kind of think of as like High class art, Mm -hmm. or whatever, and that's sort of like this, like flip of it, where it's like a kind of uh, that's in and of itself like subversive, I think, even if it's not, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but I'm curious, like, I think you're very careful and intentional in the specific motifs and maybe like aesthetics that you're appropriating. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think there's also a level of craftsmanship where you're altering some of these sources. Mm -hmm. Um, so could you talk a little bit about where the sources are coming from and sort of like what it means to you to put them alongside like a heavily gridded sans serif, like type construction?
2: Yeah. I mean, something that you said, like I'd give you a virtual hug, you know, for is like that idea of harmony, because that really, that's it right there is that's a word that I use a lot and that really speaks to me. But also, I don't know. It it just almost feels like there's like a polarization between those two things, right? You're either like a religious person or a spiritual person, or you're like an avant-garde forward thinker, you know, and you can't be both and they're both, they're at odds. Like I'm either Eastern or I'm Western or I'm either, uh, I, like traditionally subscribing to my belief system or I'm abandoning it for newer pastures or creating something new, right? And so there's my iconoclastic like soapbox. My iconoclastic soapbox is to be like, no, there's a harmony in between those two things it's just your perspective or your limited understanding of the sources or of the deeper understanding of these of these systems or these traditions or these these texts is what's not allowing you to see that there's beauty in both of them that is very congruent and mm-hmm. and so that's kind of like the ultimate goal and that's why it's funny because i'll see i'll I'll get messages from like you know just just american white people who are into, like, hippie culture that just, like, love, like, oh, I love what you're doing, I I really mess with this, like, it really speaks to me, <laughs> right, because just these universal ideas of being present or whatever, right, and then at the same time, I'll get, like, hijabi from, like, from Turkey, you know what I mean, who's, who wow. messages me is, like, oh, I love what you're doing, right, but yeah, that's, yeah, spe- yeah, that's, yeah. like, beautiful to me, like, I just internally just shed a tear a little, I'm, like, okay dope like it's it's working you know what i mean like
1: universal in this yeah it's universal
2: like stop trying to put me in a box where it's like okay this is muslim art for muslim people and this is uh hippie art for for californians you know or this is european avant-garde art for you know young students in in amsterdam right it's, there's a universal harmony to it that all can appreciate because we're all human at the end of the day. We all have the same presence inside us that can recognize something, right? There, there's a reason why we can all look at a sunset and be Muslim, Christian, Jew, or atheist. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. I'm going to yeah. stop here and take a photo, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's yeah. not like, oh, as a Muslim, this sunset speaks to me more. you know what i mean well that's that's also like funny that you were
1: talking about like the hippies being interested because i guess i probably leaned towards that in terms i don't (laughs) think i'm a hippie but like i like hippie aesthetic for sure that
0: interpretation Uh, i
1: i'm really like into new age music too which i think new age comes out of that same sort of like kind of place where it's like is a lot of new age music was made by Western people, obviously, but heavily, heavily influenced, if not downright appropriative of Eastern culture. So
2: mm-hmm. there is
1: like this kind of weird interplay between the two uh, that I think everybody that I, I think your your work like speaks to the, that kind of like what it new age means. It's like this sort of. uh, How does this fit into a different context? Like how do these mm-hmm. two contexts coexist together? And that can be harmonious and it can be like discordant but it's also like kind of natural in that sense.
2: Yeah. That's why the symbol and the logo of the brand is a tulip, right? Because a tulip originated in Constantinople in Turkey, modern day Istanbul, but then spread across the world. Right. And, and every culture appreciates it. There's a tulip festival in Oregon here that like, you, the line is like a two-hour wait just to get in every every year, right? And so the tulip is like that symbol of universality and harmony between East and West, and and really embodies that that universal essence of beauty that everyone can appreciate, right?
0: So I think you answered our question here, but there was a suspicion that we had about your work. Um, in regards to sincerity Mm -hmm. because there was a part of the, our read of your work that like, there is this kind of like intentional, like I know how to do this right in the Western Bauhaus, like modernist context, but I'm going to just, I'm going to like show a little bit of like freeness Mm -hmm. that may come off from a Western perspective as like a mistake or like an error or something. So like, we're curious also like there's a tone of voice in the way house of ghoul is represented even on the site and stuff that's like playful and like some we kind of interpret it as Mm tongue-in-cheek so we're curious how you define the sense of like play and fun within some a project that like clearly you're super sincere about
2: yeah i just try not to take myself too seriously you know, I think that there's just beauty and just in um, embracing whatever the moment provides or whatever you're feeling. And a lot of how I deal with it is just through comedy and through just laughter and and, and irony, but at the same time, sincerity and like the belief system, but not trying to do be like a preacher or like a, a teacher, you know. But someone who's just like, this is what I've experienced and this is how, this is how it, this is the irony that American capitalism tries to feed you that you shouldn't buy into, right? Because it's it's a trap based on my experience. Well, that's what I was curious about because, you
1: know, we're in a moment, obviously, that's like very... It's like the second era, I I don't want to keep talking about New Age, but it is really the second era of like the New Age, like Dawn, where it's like, you know, this yoga, mindfulness, wellness stuff is being so co-opted by corporate culture and capitalism. Uh, And and I think it's interesting to see somebody sort of do a sincere version of that, but it also still somehow fits in with that other stuff, despite clearly being like, It's like you're kind of commenting on it, but you're also doing it in this like weird sort of dance where it's like, and that's why I think both of us were kind of interested in like what the position is on it because it's like there is like a sort of humor to the work too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like this sort of like fun, playful, almost like uh, you know, unconcerned, but also like silliness, I guess too. Um, Yeah,
2: yeah. I read something recently that hit the nail on the head It's like you don't find love you merely become an expression of joy that you don't chase something and then ultimately you find it you merely just express joy in your being and so for me like I'm into that stuff like I'll meditate and I love a lot of these authors or like I'm really into Ram Das and he really shaped a lot of my understanding yeah. about spirituality, right? Even though I'm a practicing Muslim and most Muslims would be like, Oh, you can't take in these sources. These are, these aren't verified. Do you know what I mean? These aren't, these aren't, these aren't authentic. But for me, it's like, there's wisdom's wisdom, beauty's beauty, wherever I can find it, I'll, I'll grab it. And that's a part of the tradition as well that I think is lost. And so there is like definitely a lot of humor and irony because it's almost like this postmodern commentary on like spirituality now being capitalized or mindfulness now being capitalized. Right before it was something that was considered backwards or you you must be, you know, you must live on a farm or or not be educated if you believe these things, right? And now it's like, oh damn we're suffering from anxiety, fear, and stress so much that we need this, this isn't, this isn't solving or proving to us what it, what it promised, you know? So then now they're, they're all coming into alternative terms like mindfulness, yoga, meditation, which I think is great. And I'm all for, but once again, if it, be, if it's just a marketing tactic to position yourself as like, a cool company or a forward thinking company or to sell you a product then it it feels a little bit you know perverted and it feels a little manipulative right and so it's definitely a take on that
3: Welcome back. It's been a while. You have had some time to breathe, to think, to recuperate, to take life in and explore. Yet you wonder, what if your creativity doesn't return with you when you sit back in the studio chair? What if your insights come slower than usual? What if you can't be the designer you always dreamt of? Fear consumes you as you struggle with adapting back to this new pace. The slow but intense click of the mouse. The heavy clacking of the keys. The slack alerts. The bubbling email notifications. And though it's a familiar rhythm, it's hard to tap back into that flow that once came so naturally. You wonder about your ability to focus and thrive through this cacophony. But you have been here before, and you will return here again, many times. Life is long and short at the same time. There's no need to worry about what-ifs. You have creativity within you, and your passion will discover new ideas that excite you, if you let it take a look inside and at all the inspiration around you don't ask what if ask what next
1: if you could share with us like one of the most lasting traumatic experiences of your career as a designer that's impacted you whether it's it doesn't have to be Mm. a negative uh it doesn't have to be traumatic i guess what's it it has to be emotionally affecting uh but Mm. trauma could be one or it could be like very positive um that like you still think about and like informs your work
2: yeah Got to think about that one. We had this really big client that basically was like a six-figure client that, that staffed a lot of the agency and they were really demanding and really like aggressive and unreasonable at times. And so, you know, as a designer, you always got to like, try to be the good partner to make it work. Right. But then it got to the point where that relationship just soured. They were just being really disrespectful. And 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 to this point of like modernist versus classical design, they were a little more of like a classical institution. So some of these modernist, more forward thinking, look and feel, they weren't really with. So there was not only like a style difference, but uh, I think a philosophical difference on, on the design they wanted and the design we can provide but we wanted to encourage them to be a little bit more adventurous right so i literally we had like a 3 year long relationship and then we could just tell it wasn't i was like super stressed and super you know burnt out by it and then literally 3 years y'all 3 years we had this relationship and they terminate our contract by just forwarding me an email from another internal person and saying we are no longer going to be honoring this contract. We are terminating it. That was it. Oh my God. Talk about like, you know what I mean? Like on a personal, just the disrespect. Yeah. Just the disrespect, like the, the, the audacity, you know, I just, it just left such a bad taste in my, all right. So when I saw that, I was like, wow. All right. Like, this is how they are. And so I think I was at the point in my career where I like I took it a little personal and I took it as like oh am I not doing a good job or is this like a reflection of me as a as a creative director or as a design designer or as a as a business owner but then I had to like what what originally felt like really really horrible and really disgraceful turned out to be the biggest blessing, to be honest, because what it allowed me to do is it allowed me to step out of myself and stop valuing myself in relation to a client's approval. You know? And I think as designers, it's such an emotionally taxing role and such an emotionally taxing job description you're constantly judged, constantly evaluated, constantly competing because someone's cousin can do it for $200, right? <laughs> and and why are they paying so much, right? So you're constantly feeling critiqued or super being always at the, like at the chopping block, right? And so I growing up and like just being in the industry, you kind of buy into that, right? And so when that happened, and I kind of just like was able to be like, you know what, I'm not buying into into this anymore. And I really was able to just detach myself, right? And just really take a step back and be like, I'm not going to take any clients for like two or three months, right? And this is when I was able to explore a lot of my true creative expression. Because I was like, you know, it's very interesting when a human being doesn't have anything to attach himself or herself to, what is left? Right? Like if you don't have a client to attach yourself to or a partner or a job description or a job title or a bank account, like when you have something to attach to, to feel worth, like what is really left? And so that was like a moment where I was able to just like introspect and be like, oh, that's what it feels like to be at peace and to not need anything or to rush towards something. And to be honest, that's when it really marked a real different trajectory in my career. This was probably like three and a half years ago. So like my whole work changed, my whole approach changed. I stopped caring about like quote unquote client approval or, uh, or what popular culture or, or polite society thought was, was good or, or, or appropriate. I was like, this is what I feel, this is who I am. And, and I've never looked back. Nice, that's awesome. That's
0: that's awesome like to hear also how uh you took a really crappy up op- uh you know situation and and really really empowered yourself with it. That's I'm, I'm i applaud that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I I kind of see myself as an alchemist. That's like a, a term I use a lot. Cuz like I'll take experience or I'll take inspiration and I'll turn it into something. And I think you can even there's beauty in that struggle and there's beauty in even in even those failures and pain. Because it teaches you something about yourself and teaches you who you really are, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like your core is exposed, and and then you kind of have to figure out what that could do on its own. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because for a long time I was in the same position. Like I went to grad school with James, but before grad school I was I never had a reason to make anything unless somebody assigned it to me or if I was working for somebody. And I was always like so unhappy with my work. I never felt like any purity of like expression or when I did I felt offended when somebody wanted to change it so I started aligning myself way more with what I wanted to do and like trying to actually think about like do I want to work with this person or not like does this person want to work with me or do they just think I'm I'm do like the general thing Mm -hmm. like it's also a fit it's like all all these things are relationships so like a bad relationship is a bad relationship like
2: Yeah. And I think it forces you to, yeah, like look at who you are at your deepest essence, but then it also forces you to evaluate what you prioritize in life. Right. Mm -hmm. And what your boundaries are (laughs) and, and who will honor and respect those boundaries or, or your priorities versus who's kind of just exploiting them for their own benefit. Right. I need this quick, cheap, fast, yeah. Well, it's like
1: if somebody hires you, you imagine that, that what they want is your expertise and what you have to offer, which is your opinion, your instincts, your skills, right? But if they're not going right. to trust you, then why did they hire you in the first place? But you also have to kind of think about, well, maybe I the conversation is just not taking us in the right place. So that's that's always like a tricky thing. Actually, the client, we talked a lot about this early on in the podcast, like the client-creator uh, creator relationship. It's like, how do you make that a fulfilling relationship without letting somebody like dictate the whole process? Mm -hmm. Like one individual, whether it's you or the client, like it can't be that way.
2: Yeah. I think the, the, uh, the route that always speaks to me is non-judgment and non-attachment, non-judgment and non-attachment. Cause like, I find it very disruptive when people rush to judgment with design yeah. because it's an evolutionary process and it takes time and it takes patience. So when people are like, this is great, this is horrible, this is bad, this is good. For me, I'm like, you're, you're not just letting it breathe and you're rushing to judgment to some solution when the 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 evolutionary process is a little bit more organic than that, you mm-hmm. know? And, and non-attachment in a sense that I'm not attached to e- any one execution, but let's work on this together and explore why or what we can do to, to bring it up or, or take it down or reconfigure it, right? And when it becomes like that, like kind of co-sculpting yeah. in this like safe space and by safe space with like a capital S where everyone can just express what they want and not feel judged, then that usually leads into the best work. And yeah. and then the opposite is true. If people are rushing to design and there's kind of like an authoritarian approach to it, this is good, this is bad, then no one can really express anything without the fear of being judged, then it usually turns out to be really shoddy. And like, it doesn't have like an essence or a spirit to it, you know? You can tell yeah. when a designer or an identity has that, where it's like there's a singular idea or voice through everything versus mm-hmm. like, you know, you're jumping around trying to, trying to answer or uh, solve someone's emotional crisis, you know?
1: (laughs) I mean, I think the spiritual quality of the work is, that's sort of what uh, speaks to us in your work. And I think also like the mentality of that is clear when, because you can't really like Create a body of work, or like an entire portfolio of work that appears to be like spiritually sound when it isn't. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure yeah, that many. I feel of...
0: Actually, kind of bad. Yeah, I feel kind of bad like that. We judge that, but hearing you speak, it's like, oh, this makes sense. Like it totally is 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 spiritually sound with intention. Um, it's not a. a well, masquerade. I think like there is
1: like some snarkiness too. There's like some like there's some details on the site that are like funny to us that we couldn't figure out if it was serious or not, which like
3: Need support now? We love hearing from the design community. Call us at 202-507-9158. Please share your story with us after the tone. We'll do our best to respond on our podcast. Please leave a name or alias, design role, and location. Thank you for your call.
0: Another thing that we like to do on the podcast is come up with a mantra which I think you'll be really good at mm-hmm. but I also feel like we found we you just said a really powerful one which is like non-judgment and non-attachment mm-hmm. um, but yeah if you have any other like uh, something else that might be an appropriate mantra for the conversation we had, we'd love to hear it
2: hmm. I think the 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 main source and mantra for all my work is like the quest for beauty and the quest for presence. That's what it is. And non-judgment on attachment is is a tactic to get there, right? But the quest for beauty and the quest for presence. I'm always inspired by this quote by Matisse, when he said, I've always tried to hide my efforts and wish my works to have a light joyousness of springtime. Which never lets anyone suspect the labor it costs me, mm. right? Yeah, yeah that there's like there's like a joyousness, like this like eternal springtime is that's essentially what I want my work to feel. If I was able like to communicate an emotion that everyone could understand, it's like an eternal springtime. It's like this color, this joy, this beauty, but this delicacy, right? And there's like lightness to it, like that's what I want emotionally to convey. And then I have my inspiration and my experience to do that. But people don't realize how much pain and labor it took to get there. Because I'm just mm-hmm. showing them the, the spring. I'm not showing the deads of winter, right? <laughs> like I'm not showing the the like gray skies, right? That that were swirling within me. Because I'm just pushing through that to give people an experience that can uplift them.
1: Mm-hmm. I actually, to, to piggyback on that, like the beauty thing. I am curious because you also seem to be interested in like ugliness to a degree. Like there's Mm -hmm. obviously beauty in the work, but there also is like moments that are like what some would classify as ugly, right? Like sort of like decisions that are like maybe not typically seen as beautiful, but like obviously Mm -hmm. you or I or James would like say, oh, that's beautiful in its sort of like absurdity. So I'm curious what, what you think about that.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Because when I say beauty, I see, I mean the universal essence of everything. Mm-hmm. And this universal spirit of, of everything that you can find in typically in nature or in any situation or in any breathing, living thing. I, I truly believe that what you choose to see reflects who you are. And, and what you choose to see reflects who you are. So if you see ugliness and you see, you know, details that you think are not right, it's typically something to do with you. But if you see a harmony or you see like a beauty or a splendor, typically that's a reflection of you. And there's this story of Jesus that one of my teachers told me. He said they were walking in Galilee with Jesus and his disciples and there was a dead pig carcass on the side of the road that was smelling and rotting and and horrible and the whole pig was decayed except the teeth right because the teeth um don't decay and all of the apostles and all of the disciples were like oh how horrible how ugly and and were just like making comments about how how painful it was to walk past it right And Jesus looked at it and he said, wow, what beautiful teeth it had. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like what beautiful teeth it had. And it just acknowledged it and continued walking. Right. Like for me, that's it. And so when people try to like bring me into their perspective a little too much where they're like, this is wrong or this is right. Or what about this? This could be considered wrong or this could be considered blasphemous or appropriative. I'm like, Okay, this is just how I see it, yeah, and I'm allowed to have that just like you're allowed to have yours, but don't try to project your trauma or your judgments or your criticisms on me as truth, that I have to see it in order to be enlightened because you yeah. know better, right? right so that's the distinction right we can all we can all have our own perspectives and, and honor them and and bring them to the table. But that's it, it's just a perspective. And I yeah, truly I mean, believe, yeah. It, I mean, it, that's the it, thing it, that's
1: so interesting is like, you know, years and years and centuries of art. It's like, obviously, people didn't always think Basquiat's were worth like $30 million or however much somebody paid for that, right. you know? That's exactly. capitalism that like turned it into that. But like to many people, it still is. People Probably the person who bought it thinks it's ugly.
2: Yeah, to some degree, you know, and that's a reflection of his experience and what he was doing. But there is beauty in it. And, and I think that's, once again, it's like, I try not to rush to judgments as well about like, what's beautiful and what's ugly. For me, it's like, there's beauty in a lot of things. It's just a matter of seeing it, you know, and, and so there's things may maybe don't speak to me. But I, I, it'll take a lot for me to call something ugly.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I think I wanted to clarify the word beauty like how you did because I think it's important like when because I, you know, as somebody and James, I think also uh, people who are interested in what some might refer to as ugliness, uh, I don't see it that way at all. And so, like, that, be- that is beauty, you know.
0: Right. This has been an amazing conversation. There's so much to unpack. I think we could talk for hours. Um, but no, but I mean, I think you've been such a generous guest um just generous with your thoughts and your time and your and i can feel that your your heart is really open to to sharing your work so i i thank you for that again um yeah any last words any parting <laughs> <Any> words <last? laughs>
2: no man thanks for the opportunity and and thanks for seeing the beauty and the work enough to to have me on the show you yeah know? for sure i mean thanks
1: for coming we really appreciate
2: it